When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Sunshine back in the forecast again today and a little warmer than was on Monday. 42 are expected high today. Tomorrow, 44. Thursday, partly sunny. 41 degrees by the time we get to the weekend. Temperatures will be into the 50s. I'm Pam Yonke. So glad you're along with us on a Tuesday morning. I'll tell you what, uh, we'll find more details with Stu Mucker, Ag Meteorologist, in just a moment. And speaking of details, although many of you may have already received your vaccination for COVID, I'll tell you what, uh, the impacts of the pandemic still being felt in the marketplace. A lot of businesses that are still struggling. Now there's been some adjustments to the Paycheck Protection Program, PPP, that may allow a lot of our Wisconsin farms to qualify for some of that financial assistance. Josh Scramlin's got the details coming up. And our friend John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, giving you the latest tips and insights into what's happening in the marketplace. He'll be joining us live this morning as well. It's up to you to help Wisconsin beat Minnesota. The Badgers have faced off against the Gophers on the court. Now it's time for a real-life border battle. Join your fellow Wisconsinites who report everything from snowfall to raindrops as states duke it out in a nationwide competition to see who can recruit the most volunteer weather observers during the month of March. Last year, Minnesota took home the first-place trophy for weather volunteers. Wisconsin, they placed third. We can't let that happen again. Weather observers help the National Weather Service create more accurate weather reports for your area. All you have to do is visit cocorahs.org to sign up, attend a quick online training, and then you're ready to report the weather right from your own backyard. The more observers, the better and more accurate the forecast for Wisconsin. Get into the March Madness spirit and help America's dairy land topple the land of 10,000 lakes. Visit cocorahs.org for more info. We're into March. It won't be long. We'll be talking about uh, spring breed sales and shows, and then we get into the county and district fairs. Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And, of course, last year we didn't talk much about them because many of those were canceled. But hopefully, with our fingers crossed, uh, the COVID vaccine gets out. We will have shows again this year. And, Josh, you talked to some folks that uh, are preparing to have these shows and get their animals ready. Yes, Bob, that's absolutely right. It's Josh Scramlin at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Uh, not too long ago, I was trying to figure out, are people going to be purchasing animals, making that investment in time and both money, if they don't necessarily know if there's going to be a county fair show? So I spoke with Steve Arepi. She is a sheep breeder and exhibitor. They're really serious into the sheep industry. She is located in Lafayette County. So I asked her that question and found out an answer that I was not expecting. But before we get into that, let's get a little background on Steva. We run a business called Steva Robinson Showstock. We sell show lambs across the country. Um, We run about 200 ewes, um, and primarily all of those are sold as show lambs, whether they're black face, uh, white face cross, or dorset. Um, We've been raising sheep. I started raising sheep when I was younger um, and all through high school. 
and then we got back into it uh, after I got done with college, so probably the last 15 years or so. Okay, and then if you had to put a percentage on it, what percent of your sheep would you say you sell out of state, and what percent would you say you sell to Wisconsin exhibitors? Um, We're really fortunate. We have a really good customer base in Wisconsin. I would say probably 50% of our show lambs get sold within the state of Wisconsin, um, and then the remainder of them go, you know, outside to, we have a pretty good market in like Oklahoma, Indiana, Illinois, such like that. Okay, Steve, thank you for that. Now, the question that I had originally come to you with when I asked you to do this interview was, are people buying animals? So in your case, are they buying sheep if they don't know whether or not their county fair is going to happen this year? So what have you been seeing? So we're really fortunate in Wisconsin. Um, a lot of my customers still had a county fair last year in some capacity. Maybe it wasn't the traditional county fair, but it was a replacement show. Um, so they didn't really miss out on a show. The Wisconsin Livestock Expo happened. So while they didn't have a state fair, they still had a state fair level show. Um, and in some states, you know, like Minnesota, they don't have a lot of county fairs. Last, or they didn't last year. California, the county fairs are canceled through June. So I think it really depends on your location. Um, but there's been so many replacement shows pop up. Honestly, I think that the sales of livestock have been just as good, if not better. Um, it, the livestock industry shown that they're really resilient and that leaders in our industry are going to find a way to have shows. So I guess, you know, the direct answer to your question is people are still buying and some of them are digging in more than, than they have in the past because there's fewer events to be gone to so they can spend more time in the barn. And hopefully a lot of people have found like through the quarantine and such like that. Uh, you know, that maybe they've caught the livestock bug a little bit and that it's something that they really enjoy doing with their kids and with their families. Um, so hopefully it'll continue to keep the livestock industry strong. Interesting. So it's not so much as to whether your county fair is happening. It is a show happening. And there are more shows happening than ever before, whether it be a jackpot or a replacement show. So with that, is it safe to say that people got more serious about showing livestock in 2020? Definitely. I've got, you know, several of my customers are kids that play high school ball. They've been able to go to more shows because some of, you know, there haven't been as many games or as many traveling teams and such like that. Um, So we've seen, you know, several of our customers kind of dig in and show a few more shows. For example, my son, Braden, he's too young to show at the state fair, but um, we normally go to Phoenix, uh, to the Arizona National and to Denver to the National Western. Both of those shows were canceled. Um, he's young enough where he's obviously not in high school sports since he's young, but we decided to dig in and let's see where their show's at. And we went to the Mississippi, um, youth expo. We just got back from Oklahoma from a show. So we've kind of taken it as an opportunity to see some new country and to go to new places and meet new people through it. Um, you know, if, if 2020 wouldn't have happened, we wouldn't have had the, the opportunities that we had. Steve Arepi, a sheep breeder in Lafayette County, is along with us right now. Steve, before we started the interview, something that you said to me really struck me. You said, you know, nobody wants the county fairs to be canceled. We want the county fairs to happen. If they get canceled, then that's the situation we're working with. But not only does it hurt livestock exhibitors, but it also hurts the general public not having those fairs. Absolutely. Um, you know, we all have to get our start somewhere. And while, you know, some of us travel across the country to livestock shows, pretty much all of us probably started because our mom or dad took us to the county fair to watch a grandstand concert or ride the rides. And we walked through the barn and, you know, we were all drawn to it somehow. Um, so that's not only where a lot of livestock kids get their start, um, it's where they make a lot of friendships, you know, the wash rack fights that happen every year at the county fair. And then your general public, there's a lot of people, that's their only interaction with animal agriculture or agriculture in general. 
um, we really need need the general public to be able to interact with livestock or agriculture through those county fairs. And it's a great way to teach them stuff that, you know, the rest of us in the ag industry maybe take for granted. Um, they're not exposed to it on a daily basis like some of us are. So it's really important that those county fairs, you know, keep happening. Yeah, and taking that one step further, there's folks like uh, your family and my family. Coincidentally, we both show sheep. We go all around the country to different fairs and events and show these animals. We're serious about it. So there's the people that are really serious about it, but then there's also the 4-H'ers that might just be a casual 4-H'er. They might just buy one lamb, one pig. And I'd like to know your thoughts on that because if fairs don't happen, we will probably lose some casual 4-H'ers. Correct. Yeah, we've got to find a way to reach those kids. We've got to find a way to you know, keep them in, keep it in front of them. That it's so in livestock teaches you so much more than just, you know, general, general animal husbandry. It teaches you responsibility. It teaches you how to be a good, you know, a good sport. If you get beat, you learn how to take it and, you know, Hey, tell the kid that beat you congratulations and learn what you need to do better. And I think that's really important. So we've got to find a way to keep those County fairs going. We've got to find a way to reach, like you said, the casual 4 hr Um, because there's a ton of opportunities out there. You've just got to look for them. What are prices for a show lamb looking like? I know, I know obviously it can range from, you know, the bottom of the barrel to the top tier of show lambs, but what are prices, uh, at your place looking like? You know, they've been really good. Um, I'd say they're pretty consistent with where they have been, you know, show lambs range, I would say as a whole across the industry, you can find a good show lamb for anywhere starting at $300 on up to 20,000. It depends on what you want to spend, what you're after. Usually the more you spend, you tend to be able to buy from a breeder that can provide some after-sale service, such as, hey, I think you should maybe, you know, look at feeding this supplement or help you with showmanship or such like that. But, you know, there's really animals at every price level. And with this, I think it's going to stay just the same. The good ones are always going to be worth worth more. The average ones are always going to be worth average price. But honestly, it, it really doesn't matter what you spend. It's the amount of work you put into them. I can go to all of my customers' places and I can tell you who's put the time in with them and who hasn't, and and it doesn't matter what the dollar the amount they spent was. (laughs) Yeah, and anybody that uh, shows livestock knows what you're saying there because I remember one time my dad, he was so excited to to buy this lamb that was going to, you know, win grand champion in our county fair, and then actually the one that we paid a quarter of the price for, the one that was going to be a champion, quote, quote, uh, actually did better. So, yes, it's all about the work. And then, Steve, how do you sell most of your, your lambs? Is it mostly in person? Is it online? We've always done ours as like a private treaty bid-off, which you come to the farm, you take a look at them, and then it's like a bid board sale. And we do that just because we like our customers to come take a look at them off the farm. We want them to be happy. Um, we do some online sales from time to time, but I really try and sell them more where people have to come and look at them. Uh, that way they know we can have a conversation of when is your county fair? Uh, you know, okay, you're in late July. I think this age sheep would be better for you. Let's look in this tent. Um, if you're a late September county, we probably need to look at a little bit younger sheep. And I just like doing it that way because I think you can, you know, help customers meet their goals. You can kind of have a conversation with them, you know, like how much how much time are you wanting to put into this? What are your goals? Some people, their goal might be to just, you know, get a sheep, learn a little bit, bit about it and take it to the county fair. Other people's goals might be to win a state fair. So I think when you have the in-person, you know, touch of it all, I think you can really just help people succeed more. Uh, And then, Steva, you're a person that goes all around the country. You've partook in a lot of replacement shows and then a lot of traditional shows over the last year. How do you feel about 
those replacement shows sticking around even after the pandemic is gone because what was initially intended to be temporary might actually catch on and become permanent. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I hope that some of them do stick around. Um, I think there's also a lot of reason why they wouldn't stick around. I mean, it takes a lot of people doing something extra outside their normal job, their normal responsibilities to make those replacement shows happen. But I think, you know, I think some of them will stick around. And I think the more shows, the better. It's more opportunities for those kids to find out what they want to do to learn about agriculture, to learn about the responsibility and to meet, meet new friends. Um, my career outside of raising sheep is livestock marketing. If I wouldn't have gone to a bunch of jackpot shows and met a bunch of friends, I probably wouldn't have gone into the career that I did. I just happened to find out that's what I love to do through showing. So hopefully they, hopefully some of the replacement shows stick around. I don't think they all will. And that's of no fault of anyone. It takes a ton of work, but I think there's a lot of new opportunities that are going to pop up because of, you know, how 2020 played out. And then just one more thing before I let you go, for any youth exhibitor or uh, parent of a youth exhibitor that might be listening, heck, anybody that wants to purchase livestock this year, but they're on the fence about it because they don't know what's going to happen or they don't really know how to feel about things, what would you suggest they do? You know, if you are someone that's looking to get involved in, you know, showing at your county fair and you're not sure if the county fair is going to happen, reach out to a breeder. There's a chance that they might know hey, there's a group that's going to put on a replacement show if there's no show. Um, Or, you know, if it's something you're interested in doing, don't be hesitant because of the COVID restrictions or, you know, the uncertainty of it. Um, We'll find a place for you to go show. There's jackpots all across the state. Wisconsin's in a really good area where, you know, you can travel not far into Iowa, Illinois, or Minnesota, depending on where you're at, and, and really get that same experience. So if it's something you're interested in doing, don't be afraid to reach out to a breeder or to someone on you know, the Wisconsin Club Lamb Association or the Wisconsin Show Pig Association. There's plenty of us that would love to help new kids get started. Steva Reppy, a sheep breeder in Lafayette County. Steva, always good to hear your insights. Thank you so much. So after talking with Steva, I realized that I might have been attacking the initial question wrong. My first question was, are people buying animals, uh, sheep, pigs, cattle, whatever it may be, are they purchasing those animals since we don't know what's going to happen with the county fairs? But as Steva told me, at this point, it might be better to ask yourself, are there shows happening as opposed to, is my county fair happening? Obviously, we want county fairs to happen, but if they don't, there's plenty of replacement shows out there for livestock exhibitors to get really serious about and partake in. As always, for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Here's to the hardworking people in America, the ones who aren't phased by dirt and grease, the ones who don't just drive their vehicles and machinery, they depend on them. Right now, Blaine's Farm and Fleet take 10% off double H linkage parts and hitch pins. Keep your equipment in tip-top shape with new belts from Deco. They're 15% off. Get comfy on those long drives with an Allison seat cushion, now 25% off. Keep your hydraulics working strong with 10% off Delavan hydraulic cylinders. Be prepared to plant with Osmondson spikes, sweeps, and plow parts. They're buy one, get one 50% off. And save 10% on Easy Slide products. Plus, check out these great doorbuster deals. Krylon Farm and Implement Paint, now 10% off. And 31 to 34-pound bags of Purina One dog food in assorted varieties, now $33.99. Be sure to mark your calendars. Spring Chicks will be in our stores starting February 26th. Go to farmandfleet.com for all the details. That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. When someone is injured in a bad crash... 
They probably know that smart, experienced attorneys can help. But if they've never hired an attorney before, it can be easy to put it off until later, instead of calling right away to get the help they urgently need. Unfortunately, that delay can end up causing expensive losses on top of the harm someone has already suffered. At Clifford and Rihala, we understand how someone who has been injured in a crash may be confused or even scared to reach out for help. We understand how injuries, medical bills, and lost work can leave people exhausted and overwhelmed. Call Clifford and Rihala for a free consultation on your injury claim and work with experienced attorneys with a track record of success to help get you your maximum compensation. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. You bet she thinks your tractor's sexy. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Young. All right, let's find out what's coming our way weather-wise. Stumach Ag Meteorologist joining us live this morning. And, uh, you know, I said tie a knot and hang on yesterday. It looks like we'll be rewarded today with better temperatures and sun. Absolutely, but uh, chilly today. Strong southwest winds are going to push those wind chills down toward the single digits, at least above zero. But a chilly day today, there is a cool front approaching that will shift our winds late tonight into tomorrow. Not going to cool us down now. We're on that uh, nice slow ride uphill, warming up as we head toward the later part of the week. I'll have forecast details right after this. Farmers understand return on investment. They understand the power and the value of the sun. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. It's a business decision. Everything that farmers do and don't do on their land and their with their property is money. <laughs> so one of the things that I heard one farmer say, it's a crop that I am yielding. <laughs> uh, instead of harvesting corn on this little section, he's harvesting sunlight to make electricity. You should reach out to us, and we will come out there for a very specialized, specific quote for you to look at your farm. We can put solar anywhere. We can put it on a barn. We can put it on the ground. We can put it on a hill. (laughs) So we can put it anywhere that makes sense to you and your farm and your situation. And then once we design that, even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. All righty, Stu, let's have that forecast. All right, sunny and breezy today, certainly feeling better. Low toward mid-40s, warmest at La Crosse and Mauston, I expect. But those southwest winds increase today, 10 to 20, gusting closer to 30. And like I said, wind chill in the single digits above zero, up toward 10 or 12. So chilly today, no doubt. Mostly clear tonight. Some clouds for a while, but clearing down in the mid-20s. Winds become northwest about 5 to 10. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and about 45, mid-40s. The north winds about 5, mostly sunny Thursday. Lower 40s, winds become east at 5. And then Friday, Pam, probably back up just about mid-40s. A little nicer with sun on Saturday. Looks like a fantastic weekend on the way. Thawing that snow and ice, making it kind of sloppy. See anything as far as precipitation? Nothing out into next week. Mm, All right. That sounds good. So muddy, perhaps, but at least not pooling water standing anywhere. Right. We're not going to be adding to it. We're not going to be washing it off anywhere. It's just nature thawing. All right. Good deal. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
All right, see you then. Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, with the weather details that you're looking for. And uh, more details becoming available about some adjustments to the Paycheck Protection Program administered through the Small Business Administration. This time around, it looks like they're relaxing some of the uh, definitions and maybe making some monies available to smaller family farms around the state of Wisconsin. Paycheck Protection Program, Small Business Administration, you'll have to work through your local ag lender, but we're talking more about that before we get done. And don't forget, John Heinberg on the way. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Registration for Johnson Tractor's Planter Clinic is going on now. This clinic is catered to your situation based on your Case IH or Kimsey planner. Take classes on your own time and have access in the field once planning starts. Complete your class by March 31st and earn a reward on your next parts purchase. Look for the registration link at johnsontractor.com. Johnson Tractor from land to lawn. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help regarding an attempted homicide that occurred one year ago. On January 29, 2020, a mother and her two young children were brutally attacked by an unknown gunman in the 2700 block of Dahl Street. It is presumed that the gunman followed the victims from their residence located in Kennedy Heights Apartments. While traveling in the 2700 block of Dahl Street, the car in which the gunman was riding cut the victim off, forcing their car to stop. The gunman then exited the car and fired multiple rounds into the car that the victim and her two young children were traveling in. The mother and the child sustained injuries related to the gunfire. Madison Police Department's Violent Crime Unit is reaching out to the public in hopes that someone has more information about this senseless act of gun violence. Please visit MadisonAreCrimeStoppers.org or Madison Area Crime Stoppers Facebook page for additional photos and video of the suspects. If you have any information regarding this incident, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward. Some of America's bravest warriors are returning home wounded. Here's one of them. My name is Norberto Lara. While I was on a combat patrol, a rocket propelled grenade took my arm off at the shoulder. I was discharged from the Army, and I've been working with the Wounded Warrior Project since 2007. I don't have to be severely wounded. A lot of guys have post-traumatic stress disorder. Being able to share your story kind of helps you wrap your mind around what did happen over there. My name is Norby, and yes, I do suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, but I'm okay. Don't suffer in silence. Contact WoundedWarriorProject.org. What have we here? Crackers. At least I think they are. They're in a cellophane wrapper. There are two of them. Crackers always travel in pairs. They snap like crackers. Crumble like them, too. Nine out of ten cracker eaters would give them a positive ID. But these aren't crackers. They're dinner. Jim Krevick's for five days straight. There are people like Jim all across Madison. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, 
will supply people like Jim over $950,000 in food through Dane County's busiest food pantry, just one part of the more than $1.4 million in clothing, shelter, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. So Susan came over, and the first thing she says is, this whole room looks completely different. Okay, that wasn't the first thing Susan said. She gossiped about Linda, but I didn't get involved. So I say, yes, the whole room. I mean, if Susan is going to gossip, I'll give her something to gossip about. And she goes, I can't believe it. Okay, truth bomb. All I did was add accessories from Lazy Boy. So Susan unloads and says she could never do something so amazing and I think to myself all right maybe you exaggerated too much let her in on it truth is Susan I went to lazy boy and picked up a few items their interior designers show you how an area rug here and a couple of side tables there can change a whole room and she headed to lazy boy she better not blab this to Linda just a few accessories from lazy boy makes the difference lazy decorators love lazy boy home furnishings and decor madison east springs drive near east town mall educated mortgage the smartest way home call dan the mortgage man often the road to home ownership can be uncertain but by choosing the right mortgage company you'll quickly get on the right path i will make sure you have the best mortgage loan the best interest rate and lowest closing costs You'll get the knowledge you need to feel comfortable about your buying decision. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. And MLS number 222652. Let's see, it was a walk, and then a single, and then Keston Hira gets up and he hits a dinger, which is awesome to see. And in the uh, outfield, where the fans were sitting, you know, past the outfield, I should say, all those fans are like dogpiling on each other to get the home run ball I thought it was nice to see everyone being like, like it's the old times, like the before time, to see people chasing a home run ball and fighting each other for it without the social distancing. I may be in the minority, but it was nice to see, I guess, long story short, to see Keston here a home run. How'd that feel for you? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I thought that, that just the way, and you hit the nail on the head, just the way that inning started. And again, you can't, you can't tell anything from spring training, let alone the first you know couple batters, but that's the way the Brewers have envisioned that offense. To operate um, is to get guys that can just. Craig Council talks about this all the time. It's all about putting pressure on those opposing pitchers while giving your guys, you know, your big boppers in the middle of the lineup like Keston and maybe Travis Shaw uh, a, a chance to go out there and rake. Uh, when you've got guys at the top of the lineup that know how to work counts and know how to get on base, that changes a game and that ruins outings for starting pitchers pretty quickly. That's what that's what they want. That's how they designed this offense, even going back to last year originally. Uh, and, and that's what you want to see. And of course, Keston cashing in. They hit four of them yesterday. I mean, that's you know, that's an encouraging sign. Granted, it's one day on the first day of spring training, but but that's what you want to see after the team just was miserable on offense. Okay, last that's year. what I want to ask you. Like, I am getting very excited. I know it's the first. Cactus League game against the White Sox, and it was six innings. But is it wrong that I'm getting excited to see offense? They went seven to two last year. I don't think they ever scored seven runs in a game. Is it wrong that I'm already getting my hopes up for this club? No, I mean it, it's early, but I, I I think there's reason for optimism. And, and again, it it's insanely early, and there's a lot that has to to happen. But you look at what they've done 
to kind of address their needs. And, and I think the thing that's getting overlooked here is because the Brewers didn't go out and sign like a, a, a big time offensive guy. It, you know, one of the things I wrote in my positional previews at the State Journal was, you know, Colton Wong isn't that kind of uh, you know offensive powerhouse that fans kind of salivate over during off stove season. But what he does, and we'll talk about his defense in a bit, like what he does for your offense, he he is something the Brewers haven't had in a long time. He's got that prototypical leadoff hitter mentality. He go up there and he just grinds, man. He will take pitches. He will work counts. He will make pitchers work. And then he'll get on base, and he's a threat to take a base. You know, he he really sets a tone for that offense. It's a role that Lorenzo Cain had played well. You know, they, they kind of dropped him down the order both because he was struggling and because of the injuries and this and that. But, you know, you're looking at, at a guy like Wong at the top of the lineup, maybe low Kane hitting in the two spot ahead of Yelly. You've got guys that know how to work pitchers. That changes things for your offense because that changes the way that a pitcher has to work. That makes him throw more pitches. That makes innings go a little bit longer. You know, I, I think this offense is set up to do very well. Um I think getting Kane back in there is just going to be a huge turning point for them. You know, losing him, just his presence in the lineup, yeah. even when he was struggling, he's still something that you had to deal with. And again, we, we've said this a million times, ain't no way Christian Yelich is batting 205 this season. <laughs> no. Just no way at all. No. Well, Andrew Wagner joining us right now from the Wisconsin State Journal and Forbes.com. That's what I'm looking at. I'm like, you got a lot of gold gloves here out there. And you got, you know, obviously, Orlando Arcia, he's uh, good on defense. Uh, Travis Shaw, what do you think third baseman's going to be? Do you think that's Shaw's to lose? I, I, and I, I struggle with this when I was doing my third base preview. You know, this is the biggest question mark on the team is what's going to happen over there. Yeah. And, you know, I think the biggest thing that's going against Shaw doesn't even have to do with his struggles in 2019. I think it just has to do with roster mechanics. Uh, you know, right now they're 40 minutes full. They'd have to clear a spot to put him on there. Uh, you've got Luis Urias, Urias who, who performed well positioned defensively, doesn't have the power that you want to see out of him. They're going to try him at shortstop because that's why they originally traded for him. They're going to give RCS some work over at third base to see if he can handle it. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I know that his left-handed power is ideal. It's tailor-made for Miller Park, and we saw that in 2017 mm-hmm. and 18. You know, 63 home runs, 187 RBI. They would love to get that version of Travis Shaw back in the lineup. If he, if he looks like that, he's going to make it a hard decision. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. It's a Tuesday, so our friend John Heinberg, market advisor, Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson, is going to be joining us live in just a few moments. I see right now corn, soybeans, and wheat are trading lower, but that wasn't the case yesterday. So what's developing as far as the news is concerned? John's got it for us coming up in just a little bit. I'm Pam Youngke. Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on this a Tuesday the second day of March. Well, taking a look back on this day in 1933, the film King Kong premiered. It was black and white at that time. It was basically a milestone in the history of film because it was uh, a stop-motion effect, meaning that they had uh, the gorilla actually moving in the movie. Back on this date in 1933. On this day in 1969, the supersonic airliner, the Concorde, actually took off on its maiden flight. That 
airline was uh, basically retired in 2003 uh, because of some uh, problems with the actual plane itself. But they started flight with the Concorde on this date, 1969. On uh, this day, back in 1953, former Senator Russ Feingold was born. Happy birthday, Russ. And now you know. Well, we want you to know that there is more financial assistance available to smaller family farms across the state of Wisconsin through the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program. Josh Gramlin's got the latest. Wisconsin farmers and producers, listen up. The Small Business Administration is giving you an exclusive window to get your PPP loan application in. And the end of that period keeps getting closer and closer with each passing day. Tuesday, March 9th at 4 p.m. is the deadline that you need to know. Let's go ahead and bring in Eric Ness. He is the director of the U.S. Small Business Administration Wisconsin District Office. And Eric, let's talk about people that are going to benefit from this exclusive application window. People with 20 employees or less, what can they do now that they couldn't do before? Well, they could always do, they could always apply for the loan, but right now we're making it exclusive for businesses with 20 or fewer employees that they can access the PPP program. Uh, for Actually, it started uh, February 24th, and it goes through March 9th at 4 p.m. So they, have, they are the exclusive uh, businesses and nonprofits that can receive PPP loans or that can apply at that time. Then it'll open up to the rest of the business, but we gave them exclusivity uh, for applying during this two-week period. Okay, good to know. And then this next bracket is going to impact a lot of farmers because it is sole proprietors and people that are self-employed. And then the other one, I think, is independent contractors. So what do we need to know about that? So sole proprietors, independent contractors, and self-employed businesses can apply using gross income rather than net income. And that's a big deal. Actually, we rolled that out in uh, December 27th, poor farmers. So farmers have had access to it, and actually it, it's been such a success, we've rolled it out to all all uh, sole proprietors. So I've talked to a lot of lenders, and uh, one of the big complaints uh, last year was, you know, sole proprietors or farmers that, you know, didn't have net income, the depreciation or whatever, so their income was quite low, and they could not get a lot of money from the PPP program or none. So basically, they rolled it out rather than net income, they rolled it out to gross income. And that's, I think, going to be, it's great for our farming community and also all sole proprietors. So does that mean that there has been an influx of farmers that are applying because of these changes? Yes. Eric Ness from the Small Business Administration is along with us right now. So, Eric, I'm just trying to cover all the bases. If farmers want to apply for these loans, they should definitely get a hold of their ag lender. Yes, yeah, well, and yeah, I would uh, work with probably the lender that you're already working with. Uh, many, we've had a, a great opportunity for a lot of lenders to really step up, and they have. Uh, I've also talked to lenders who, uh, where lender, our businesses uh, couldn't find a lender, and and some of the lenders are actually taking a look at them uh, through the PPP program. It's actually a pretty good uh, situation for a lender because from our perspective, we're guaranteeing that loan up to 100% and probably, uh, you know, it'll be forgiven. So the whole point is to get these loans forgiven and help these businesses get operating. I know that we always say it's a loan, and technically it is a loan, but 
it can easily be forgiven if you fall within the parameters of what you need to do. So just kind of jog my memory. What are the guidelines that farmers need to follow so that the loan can be forgiven? Uh, Well, basically, uh, if you have employees, 60% of the funds uh, have to go to pay your employees, and then 40% can go to expenses, mortgages, things of that sort. But uh, we want to make sure 60% is going to help uh, the uh, employees uh, that may be laid off that you can bring them back. For folks listening and saying, I tried applying for that before and it didn't work out, maybe this is their chance that it could work and they will get their hands on some of that money. And going into this process, is there something people need to keep in mind that we haven't talked about yet, Eric? Well, first off, they should think that this is a good opportunity. And uh, basically, if you have uh, had gross income, you could now get a PPP1 or PPP2. We actually opened it up for both because basically some of the farmers didn't qualify for PPP1 because of the, the net income as opposed to growth, so they can go back and now apply or add to their funds if they you know, came in at a lower number. And just kind of a heads up, in Wisconsin, uh, I think as of February 1st, we've had 7,514 farm and farm businesses get loans under the PPP program for about $175 million. And so what we want to do is enhance that and help even more farmers out there. All right, that is good info from Eric Ness. He is the director of the U.S. Small Business Administration's Wisconsin District Office. There is an exclusive period that is happening right now all the way up until March 9th at 4 p.m. for people with less than 20 employees or sole proprietors or self-employed people or even independent contractors to file for a PPP loan. Hopefully this is going to make it easier for a lot of those in Wisconsin's farming community to get their hands on some of the funds that the government has doled out. But the first step in getting that ball rolling is to get a hold of your ag lender. So do so ASAP before the deadline. And for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. Hey, everybody, quiet down. The weather's on. I don't even know why I watch this. They're wrong most of the time anyway. Heck, I could probably do a better job reporting the weather than this guy. How many times have you said that to yourself? Well, now is the moment to quit talking and start doing. Go to C-O-C-O-R-A-H-S dot O-R-G to sign up to become a volunteer rainfall reporter for the National Weather Service. Anyone can participate, and by doing so, you guarantee a more accurate forecast for Wisconsin farmers. Talking with John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing, in just a moment. Markets in overnight electronic trade right now are lower. Right now, December corn's down two at 466. Soybeans for November down a nickel at 1213. July wheat, that is up three, currently at 645 a bushel. It's uh, noteworthy that the Dow Jones Industrial Average, after a big 600 point gain yesterday, is now about 100 points lower in overnight activity. Fluid milk contracts are mixed this morning. March March milk is up four at sixteen sixteen a hundred weight. April milk closed two cents lower at seventeen forty one a hundred weight. Yesterday was interesting as far as dairy product prices were concerned. The barrel cheese was unchanged on Monday at one forty two. The forty pound black cheese that was up three quarters of a cent at one sixty two and a half. But the double-A butter yesterday, that gained 16 and a half cents in a day to $1.63 and a half per pound. 
I'm guessing there's a story behind that rapid increase in butter prices. We'll find out about it next when John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joins us. Stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You're grateful for all the ways technology can connect us. Unfortunately, there are online scammers who want to take advantage. Malicious viruses, phishing scams, and identity theft are more prevalent than ever. That's why Rural Mutual includes cybersecurity protection as an option on every policy. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's the grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for money-saving member benefits, like discounts on select Granger products and more. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Smog, garbage, sewers, car exhaust. Today's world puts our sense of smell on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. When you visit, your nose will instantly recognize the purity of nature. Bask in the aromatic scent of the black pine trees blowing in the wind. Detect the sweet fragrance of primroses wild violets, and blue sage. Smell the fresh salt water in the air as waves crash into rocky shoals. When you smell these things, you're smelling the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges. From her mouth to the field's ears, this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Glad you're along with us. We want to try to get you ahead of the day as far as information flow is concerned. And to help us do that today, our man, John Heinberg, Market Advisor, Total Farm Marketing um, uh, by Stuart Peterson out of West Bend. So I want to start with what the big conversation was yesterday, John, the Dow Jones Industrial Average surged like more than 600 points higher right around mid-session yesterday. I didn't catch exactly where it closed. Now, all of a sudden, in overnight trade, the Dow Jones average looking down more than 100 points. You know, it makes me think that uh, all those stories we'd been talking about last week where day traders were uh, getting in on things like GameStop, uh, AMC, Silver, just doing short rallies to kind of fool with everybody's charts. What was happening with that 600-point surge yesterday? Yeah, you know, we start with the equity markets, and let's actually go back into the end of last week. We had a big turnover in the markets and in the terms of the equity markets overall. We saw bonds kind of tumbling uh, in terms of value, which is an in, 
which is an indicator that interest rates could be on the rise. And that had markets very nervous. And again, like you said, the speculators, the quick money's been moving in and out of a lot of these markets here, just kind of jumping on the trends. And the stock market, you know, with the close last week, especially on the Dow futures and the and the even uh, S&P 500 futures, looks a little bit shaky in here. And that's something that's really been kind of weighing, I think, on all the markets the last couple of days. Uh, just some risk off trade uh, as we're hitting, you know, a quieter time in terms of news. Uh, basically, on the out on that market overall, though, we're watching this aid package. You know, we got it approved in the House for that 1.9 trillion. Now it's moving on to the Senate. Does that money come in? So that was a little of the fuel in the fire, is you know possibly the uh, that money moving in, into the system. But then that easiness or uneasiness comes into it of what's it going to do in the bigger picture in terms of inflation and in interest rates and you know some someday down the road we're going to pay for all this and uh, how's that going to come out in the marketplace? Yeah, for sure. Now, the thing is, that's Dow Jones, that's Wall Street, that's not commodities. So we don't see them we don't see them playing or tinkering too much in commodities. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on. Big 16 cent surge yesterday in butter. Is that kind of tied into the possibility that we're seeing some of those COVID numbers or COVID monies uh, released to maybe put another surge under farmers and families food box or what's going on, John? Yeah, that could be some of it. Again, you know, we're still kind of we're trying to figure out where the money is going and what areas is this going to come into play. And, you know, the butter move higher yesterday was maybe tied a little bit to that. Also, we're seeing just some pickup on the export interest as well. Uh, so it's just giving a little boost into that market. So that could be a big factor that comes into play. I mean, it's helped out milk prices a little bit here as well as cheese, maybe finding a little bit of stability as we move those prices uh, kind of towards the top of the range. But uh, I think we're going to need to see some more strength in those products to maybe get things move a little bit higher milk market did like the fact we got the you know you the milk production report for january here uh, last week we did see production slow i mean it was still 1.8 percent over last year but it's better than what we saw them back in december uh and with the january report for december and december report for november you know so that's something the market's starting to figure in is maybe we're starting to pull back on the production side of things and the cow numbers are starting to tighten up a little uh but at the same time we still got a lot of product out there it still makes me pretty cautious that milk market overall as we're still lacking that demand that we need to see, even though it is starting to uptick a little bit, at least domestically. Speaking of demand, we haven't touched on cattle or hogs for a little while, and they were making news yesterday kind of in different directions. Yeah, let's start with that hog market. That that market has been basically on fire here for the last couple of weeks. You got hog, you know, front month hogs pushing over the ninety dollar barrier last week, and then we finally saw some profit taking at the end of the month there. Also with the shakiness in the outside markets, the money was moving onto the sidelines, especially in a overbought market like hogs. But you're looking at retail carcasses well above the ninety dollar level. We're still seeing strong export demand and that products moving despite the number of hogs that we're killing. So we're really seeing a lot of strength in that hog market market overall and that's been carried over into the cash market and cash is king when it comes to moving futures prices around uh and so we've seen some good movement there there's a lot of good value in that hog market all the way out into summer so i've been working on some put strategies there to build the floor but with the volatility in that market we want to make sure we got flexibility to keep the top side open flip opposite on the cattle market see we still got a lot of supplies here demand is still good carcasses 240 that's about 16 percent higher than last year for choice carcasses but the cash market just can't get a bid because we got a lot of heavyweight cattle and because of that we've seen the prices kind of break here as february 
came off the books. April is taking its premium out. And that chart actually looks a little bit scary to me right at this moment. Maybe we're getting into value territory, but you know we may still have a little bit more pressure to go if we can't get this cash market to wake up, even despite the strong retail prices. Have we seen any ramifications from the weather down in Texas? And that was some of the backup that we've been dealing with. We figured about 70,000 head got kind of backed up in that window. And we didn't need that in a market that was already dealing with the kind of a heavier supply in the front end. You know, it just looked like things were starting to turn a little bit. We we're getting through some cattle. We saw cash prices starting to tick a little bit higher. And then that occurred and just basically flattened it out again. Uh, so we're still seeing some decent, bigger, bigger numbers down in the south that are going to keep pressure on the cash market overall. And, and until we get some strength in cash uh, to maybe match that, that retail value, you know, this cattle market might have a hard time finding any traction, especially in the front end. You know, the back months still look pretty good. They were firm yesterday. You know, and the longer term uh, feeling is still some decent strength coming, but we still just got a lot of cattle we got to work through. And that's been backed up and still a kind of a ramification from last year when we had the, the, the pull, the, excuse me, the big sell off in the, because of COVID. Yeah. Well, now here we are in March. The other thing I want to get to quickly Crop insurance. We we set the prices last week. Yes, we did, and those are uh, you know multi-year highs in terms of prices for both corn and beans, and uh, it's going to make some interesting uh, decisions for producers in terms of what they need to do. But it's nice to know we got some really good value put together, and you know now we're going to lead that into March, and we'll see how that starts shaking out in the acre battle. There's a lot of other little factors coming to play besides price. You're looking at fertilizer costs on, that are extremely high this year because of the demand and the value of the you know the underlying commodities around them. So that's going to be a factor that way in. So March is going to get a little bit more interesting as we start talking about acres on a daily basis here and see where we're going to get to put together for the plan. You know, the USDA put those baseline projections of 92 million on corn and 90 million acres on beans, which are basically combined a record uh, and still keeps supply sides tight. So it's going to be real interesting to see how this shakes out over the next few weeks. We do have a USD report next Tuesday, so that'll be our kind of our next uh, look at where we are in the supply demand picture. And then obviously at the end of the month, is when we get that acre intentions report. Still too early to be uh, checking and seeing if anybody's starting to plow or plant, huh? At least at this stage, I mean, obviously the south is going to be the area we're watching maybe to get started here, and we'll see how the weather goes there. It looks like things are going to be getting pretty wet this week down in the south again, you know, so we'll have to keep an eye on that as some of the early acres will come in. But, yeah, it's getting early at this stage, uh, but, you know, guys are starting to get antsy. Obviously, the weather forecast is going to really warm up here this week, looking at those longer-range forecasts, you know, so we'll see when we can start get rolling here, and then that, that'll also come into how the grain markets act, too, if the weather's good. And producers are rolling. That'll put pressure on prices just with the anticipation. We're going to get those acres in. And, you know, farmers like to plant corn. And if things are rolling well, they will, we'll probably put some, you know, extra corn acres into the mindset until we actually get what the USDA thinks is out there. Yeah, right. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. Appreciate it, John. John Heinberg joining us this morning. He is a part of the uh, Total Farm Marketing crew out of West Bend. Remember their website, totalfarmmarketing.com. And of course, John looks forward to either an email or a direct phone call, and he'll help you get your strategy together for 2021. And that is our strategy for this morning. Hopefully you found something you can use. We'll catch up with you tomorrow morning. Same time, same channel.